It's good to be with you, Vintage. We are continuing our series in Proverbs, and we will be talking specifically in the, cha- in the chapter of Proverbs chapter 3, so if you want to turn there, that would be great. We're going to go through the whole thing, but I want to do a little bit of setup and just um, frame this up a bit. I think for all of us, I know it's been said so many times, but this year has felt so complicated, um, stressful, overwhelming, and just not very fun. And I think it was a real... Um, eye-opener of the need, as I looked at scripture, as I looked at what was going on in my life, a need for wisdom, a need to really turn to God in terms of his uh, counsel, his guidance, and the way that he would call me to live. Because to be really frank, spiritually, I felt really dried out. I don't know about you. I felt like my prayers didn't feel like, they felt like they were hitting the ceiling, and I wasn't seeing a lot of movement. I wasn't seeing a lot of things happening. And so I had a moment where I felt like the Lord really said, just come back to my word and start applying it. Don't worry about the supernatural today. Today, I want you to worry about just understanding who I am and walking in my ways. And that is the counsel of Proverbs. It's the counsel of all of the wisdom literature. And one of the interesting things about the wisdom literature, and and Gair had spoken um, and done a really great frame up a few weeks ago. If you missed that, it'd be great to go back and listen to that. But the counsel in the book of Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, etc., it's a really honest view of the world. And it's a really clear sense that this place after the fall became very complicated and navigating it can be really, really difficult. And this is where we get to turn to scripture and go, what do I do in the everyday living when things get really, really messy? What are you calling me to? How am I supposed to navigate this place? And so as we look specifically at chapter three, what we're going to see in Proverbs is that you're going to begin to hear two important themes that are going to go throughout the book. One is that there is a path, and there are over 700 references in Scripture about a path. And in the book of Proverbs, you're going to hear the path of foolishness or folly and the path of wisdom. And on each of them, they describe it metaphorically as this woman, the lady folly, and the lady wisdom is inviting you on her path. And the path of folly or foolishness is a path that leads to ruin and destruction and death. The path of wisdom is a a path that leads to righteousness and life and flourishing and goodness. And there's this um, acknowledgement that as human beings, as we walk this earth, we are going to come to a lot of different points where we're going to have to choose one of these. This isn't something that the Lord does for us. This is something that we have to step into. It's something that we're invited into. The other thing that you're going to see is this reference to, in um, chapter 3, the tree of life. And what that's designed to do is to be a contrast, and it's designed to be a foil to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we go back to the original creation and we go back to the fall, all of a sudden human beings were exposed and aware of evil. I don't think we were designed to ever know what that was about. I don't think that we're wired to handle it well. I don't think uh, that it does any, obviously it doesn't do anything to help us, but it's nothing that we cope with very well. So when we're hit with the knowledge of evil, which I think we felt very hit with this last year, that is a place of chaos and it's a place of confusion. 
And from that place of chaos and confusion, we can start really spinning out of control. We can start grabbing towards some really unhealthy things to try to cope with that. And what we see in this book of Proverbs is this invitation toward the tree of life. Follow this counsel. In the midst of the storm, when you cannot see the path in front of you, when you cannot get clarity, step on this road. If you've ever gone hiking on rugged terrain or been out in the middle of the ocean, you know it's so important to be prepared and it's so important to be um, ready with good tools to navigate that. Because if a storm comes in, if something goes wrong, you don't want to be figuring it out at the moment. You want to be prepared. And so the book of Proverbs is this preparation, and it's this invitation into the wise path. It's this invitation into some sort of peace and guidance in the midst of the storm. And so if we look at Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to read the whole thing. I had debated maybe editing it, but the whole point of this chapter um, is to really consider the whole counsel of Scripture. Tim Keller refers to this chapter as a summary of the entire book of Proverbs. And when we look at chapter 3, what we've been tempted to do, you're going to hear a lot of passages in here that we have on you know, bumper stickers. We don't do that anymore, do we? We don't do bumper stickers anymore. Um, but, you know, that we have on magnets or whatever else. You know, these are, are little things that people have pulled out, but it's really not designed to be pulled out of context. This council is meant to be kept together. And as this council stays together, we find the kind of the flourishing and um, the hopes that go along with this. So it begins in verse 1, chapter 3. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. 
They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will never stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security, and he will keep your feet from being caught in a trap. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor, for those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, and he offers his friendship to the godly. The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. And so there is a lot of rich goodness in this passage. I want to unpack a little bit of it. But just keep bearing in mind, as I'm going to pick out some bits and pieces, it's really designed to be kept as a whole. And so one of the things I want to point out is sometimes we, we get this idea, if we go back, for example, um, to verse, where is it? Nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Now, obviously, and, and that your barns will be full and your vats will be overflowing. And obviously, we want to honor the Lord with our wealth, but often I've seen that passage, for example, taken out of um, all the rest of the context. And so what we can do is compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm going I'm to tithe, right? And so now that I've tithed, I expect the Lord to... Uh, provide for me and give me a, a nice big return on my investment. But the reality is when you look at that whole passage, there's a whole lifestyle that complements this idea of generosity and of putting God first. It's a lifestyle that says people matter. It's a lifestyle of integrity. It's a lifestyle of honesty. And so not only will there be times where I think the Lord can miraculously bless us and decide to kind of give us a windfall if apparently we might need it, but at the same time, the life that you've lived, the, the business that you've conducted with integrity, the relationships that you've handled with respect and with kindness and generosity will all be part of the life that you're building. It's part of the path that you're walking on. And so these aren't really designed to be taken out and just say, Lord, I want a spiritual blessing out of you. Give it to me. I've paid you my 10%. Give me my return. It's really designed to say, wow, you've given me great counsel. And in addition to being generous to you, Lord, I want to be generous to the people around me. So it's really important, even as we unpack this, that we keep in mind this is meant to be, be carried as a whole. And um, so we go back to the um, verses of three and four, it says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. And so this isn't a path that always has an immediate win. It's not that everything I do is going to have an immediate reward, but this is a long game kind of path. This is the steady and the enduring. It's a way of treating people. It's a way of interacting in the world that reaps a harvest of goodness. It doesn't mean everybody's going to return respect. It doesn't mean everybody's going to return friendship. But as I conduct myself with wisdom and I follow the counsel that the Lord's given me, in many cases, over time, you will see a harvest that comes from that that is really rich. And so we're really encouraged in verse 5, trust the Lord with 
all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so what we see in here is a little bit of a letting go of our plans. If we are left to our own devices, especially when times are chaotic and especially when we are under stress, it's very easy to go to a highly self-preserving mode. My only job right now is to take care of me and to look out for me and not worry about anybody else. I feel stressed. I feel anxious. Nobody else is my problem. I'm just here to make sure I'm okay. And so what did we see this last year as a lot of people stepped into that mindset? We saw America run out of toilet paper. I mean, it was crazy, right? Right? I mean, it was just crazy. People couldn't think beyond themselves. And we, in addition to the chaos that already was upon us, we added to the chaos. We weren't measured in our responses. We weren't cautious in going, there's a whole community to look out for. And so we kind of went straight after what we thought would make us feel better and what would sort of cure our ails. Um, And so what we want to do is remember, sometimes the counsel of Scripture is going to say, I know the temptation that you're going to have right now is to take care of yourself and only yourself. But wisdom requires the courage to think longer road, bigger picture, beyond just me. And so what it requires is humble courage. And so even what we have to recognize sometimes is that is an honest assessment. Um, Proverbs is often a mirror that I'm supposed to put up to myself to, to reflect a bit and ask myself, what am I doing and what am I thinking? And so an honest assessment is I can go to self preservation. I can go to my plans and not ask for any other wisdom. I can go off of straight instinct and intuition. And that isn't always going to get me ahead. And we see this need sometimes to lay down my plans, challenge my wisdom, um, reflect on whether or not I'm really approaching this biblically, and let the Lord speak over this in me. It's interesting. If you look at the 12-step program for addiction recovery, specifically if you look at AAs, the first one is the admission. It says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. The second step is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore our sanity. The first step to addiction recovery is humility. And there's few things more powerful than addiction. But what someone gets to is they finally get to a place where they say, I'm not going to continue to follow my strategy. Because when someone's addicted to alcohol, often what they experience is a sense that my feelings are intolerable, My scenario around me is overwhelming, and so I need to find something to numb myself out. And this feels really helpful and really good. And so what can happen is I can continue to go to that sort of substance over and over and over again to try to make myself feel better while my life falls further and further into chaos. And so in this step of humility, what someone says is it's gotten out of control, and I actually need other counsel now. And I'm closing the door on allowing myself to go in this direction for today. And I'm going to open the door to new counsel. I'm going to open the door to new ways to manage stress, pain, insecurity, whatever else might be happening. Now, I'm saying this partly because I think a lot of us 
decided that we were going to find something to numb us out this year. It was just overwhelming. And there may come a point where we have to lay that thing back down and say, Lord, let me pick up your counsel. What do you have for me? Because I've been trying to make myself feel better by checking out, but it's not really going to work. I can't just withdraw from the world. Wisdom and God's counsel makes us courageous. It says you can step back into this. Let me guide you. Let me show you how to step back into this. Take the risk to do it my way and see where that lands us. So what we want to do um, is really pay attention to how the Lord instructs us. And so what we can see here is, um, let me look at this. Sorry, I just lost my spot. Oh, um, what we see here, in, if we go down to verse 21, is that in this, sometimes what we can do as Christians, I don't want to speak for you, I can speak for myself, I can speak for some of the tradition I've been around, is this desire to sort of make everything supernatural. And this desire to make everything um, kind of extra because the Lord's in it. And what we see here in verse 21 is this call when we're not seeing the supernatural happen, is to lean on the wisdom that God has given us. It says, my child, do not lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. They will refresh your soul. They will keep you safe on your way and your foot will not stumble. Um, you can go to bed without fear. You can sleep soundly. You will not need to be afraid of sudden disaster or destruction. For the Lord is your security, and he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. What he's saying is, come and as we look at the next several verses, we're going to see some of what this looks like. But rest in what I've told you. Trust in what I've said. It was interesting. I was just in a plane the other day, and unexpectedly, this big storm came in, which was something else. Um, and it was interesting to hear the pilot say, this is why we've learned instruments. Ratings. This is why we've had to learn how to use these instruments because we were literally flying in the dark. I mean, it was completely unclear what was in front of us, but this person had spent hours and hours and hours, hopefully thousands of hours, <laughs> learning, <laughs> learning how to use this um, technology. And so even though we couldn't see where we were going, this technology kept us on a steady pace until we got through the clouds, until we got to a safe place. And so what we see right away in this scripture, some of the first counsel that we get is how to treat other people. We're told, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And being loving and wise and thoughtful and generous to our neighbors is some of the best counsel that we can have. But what we're invited to in the book of Proverbs isn't just to read it and go, oh, that sounds really nice. We're really invited to mull this over, think deeply about it, meditate on it, and consider how this really works itself out in life. What does this actually look like? Am I engaged in this? Am I doing this? Do I hold these attitudes that scripture is calling me to hold? Or do I actually believe and act in a completely different way? Proverbs, I love it because Tim Keller, he says it's like hard candy. You can take a piece of hard candy and crunch on it and it has lost its purpose. What you're really supposed to do is just let that thing kind of hang out for a long time um, and do its work, especially if it's, you know, cough drops, right? And so um, 
or you have bad breath. Either way. But um, what we want to do is really let that sit and, and we need to think it through. Proverbs isn't meant to be, I read it, I'm done. It's meant to be, I read it and I'm reflecting on it. And I'm really thinking about it. So it says um, in verse 28, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. For those who live nearby, you trust you and don't pick a fight without reason. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Why is this scripture in here? Because when the knowledge of good and evil came, and all of a sudden we're living in a world of wheat and tares, we're living in a complicated world where there's temptation. Now, all of a sudden, these are things, if I'm not thoughtful about it, I can start engaging in it. I can deny goodness to people. I can deny help. I can deny justice. And God in his goodness is saying, Kathleen, I want better for you than that. Don't wipe out the toilet paper for the rest of America. Do better, right? And so in doing better and in engaging in the wisdom God's given us, one, it settles us, gives us some guidance. I've got a compass now. I've got a navigation system. I at least have a direction I'm going in. But it also makes us what God had called us to be, and that's blessed to be a blessing, a city on a hill, Something that provides wisdom, clarity, hope, love, steadiness, peace in a world that has spun out of control. I know multiple times, several Proverbs went through my mind this year as we dealt with, I don't know if you know, there was an election. It was so exciting. Um, and there were several Proverbs over and over. And I'm a debater. I grew up, I did not grow up in the church. I grew up with science and politics. So keeping my mouth shut was not a piece of cake. Um, and what I had to go back to, and I'm not kidding when I say these, these came to my mind over and over again. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I had to think about that so many times and hope to apply it. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 15, though pa um, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. That while I could just come at some argument or some person with harshness, being gentle, taking time, understanding, being respectful was going to be much more effective. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. I absolutely did not apply this scripture uh, perfectly, but I did learn to recall it, and it steadied me at moments when I wanted to act out. So in the book of Proverbs, we're invited, reflect on these words. Let them steady you and give you courage in the chaos. Look at how you interact with these things. How do you measure up? Look at the people around you. How are they measuring up? And invite the Lord through his Holy Spirit to bring something richer and deeper into our lives and into our well-being. What I want to do is have Ash come up. We're just going to spend some time inviting you um, to bring some of this to the Lord for yourself and in your own life and ask him to do a work in us individually but as a community that we would reflect the wisdom of God and reflect the courage that he gives us because of his wisdom. So Ash, if you want to come up. <laughs>